I'm John Paul Murphy. And I'm Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. On this episode, we'll be discussing Westworld Season 2, Episode 9, titled Vanishing Point. The tagline is, try to kill it away, but I remember everything. Mm. Do you know where that's from? I do not. Would you please enlighten me? I, I looked it up, and it is a lyric from the Nine Inch Nails song that Johnny Cash famously covered right before his death, uh, the, the song Hurt. You know, he's like, I hurt myself today. So that's where it's from. Oh. Um, which is very fitting, I think, thematically to this episode. Um, Christian, overall, what did you think of Vanishing Point? Uh, I think it was one of the best episodes. Um, not technically a ton happened, but I think it was one of the most emotionally satisfying episodes. It made me feel more than most every other episode does. Whereas every other episode, it's more of like a mind game and it makes me think a lot, which is one of my favorite things about this show. This episode made me feel a lot more than it usually ever does. Yeah, I, I felt the same way in some respects as far as this being a more emotional episode. I felt like I got a better payoff in the last episode we did, Kiksua, um, as far as the, the emotional journey of that character and that story. I think more so than this episode overall, because I feel like despite some shocking and dramatic moments mm-hmm. that occurred, I was a little bit underwhelmed by the sort of lack of revelations in this episode oh, in some ways. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I feel like last week was very little in revelation. It was sort of like, okay, they set up this concept, and then that was it. It followed that concept yeah, very no, I, straightforward. I, I'm not comparing was... those two in that regard as far yeah. as revelations. I was just saying, like, as far as uh, going off of your point about it being a, an emotional Mm-hmm. episode i think it was but for some reason i was kind of coming into the episode expecting a lot of of the sort of revelation sides of things mm. as far as like and while there was for certain small character moments i maybe it didn't affect me in the same way as like other episodes have mm. so that's just kind of my my overall thing where because there was a few theories that we've sort of thrown out there that have were revealed here i mean even not but even then they still haven't been answered the theories have just been like now really posed on the show correct which is what i have to say is really interesting is you and i have set up a number of theories for the season and we've both kind of had some of them correct whereas like neither of us have been 100 percent correct on everything you're definitely have been on the right path with the valley beyond more so and i definitely have been paying like uh i feel like my man in black theories even if they don't turn out correct they play a big part in his character because he even questions those things yeah and i, I think this episode really i think catered a lot to what you've been discussing particularly about the last i think three or four episodes about william about who he is about what he's done and all this stuff um you know what this episode reminded me a lot of what's that inception in some ways hmm. um which is interesting because Jonathan Nolan's brother, Christopher Nolan, right, you know, did that movie, but Jonathan Nolan was had no, you know, at least public attachment to it. Like he wasn't involved in the writing, you know, producing. It was just so I thought it was a interesting thing with, you know, this episode deals with the death of a, a wife mm-hmm. and the pain of that, and it kind of reminded me a lot of that sort of relationship between uh, Leo DiCaprio's character and his wife in that 
in that episode. So this episode's called Vanishing Point, John. Do you, yeah, now... you want to explain to me? I know we talked about it a little bit last episode. Yeah. Um, why don't you refresh me and the listeners about what that exactly means? So Vanishing Point refers to, generally speaking, a piece of art where you have two parallel lines and it's where they converge. So it's where the two parallel lines will recede and then eventually converge. So a lot of the times you would think about this as you see the corner of the building in a painting is like dead center. And when you look at one side of it as it goes back, you have the top part of the building and then you have the, the, you know, the floor of the building and the parallel lines of the top and the bottom of the building recede backwards towards you know, whatever the alley or the street is until they you know, meet at a point, until that road yeah. comes to an end. There were multiple vanishing points in this episode um, with the parallels of the daughter which would be William's daughter and Ford's daughter being Maeve and how they both ended their stories together, as well as uh, William's journey and um, Teddy's journey, as well as William and Dolores. So there was there were basically they took a lot of the hosts and then paralleled their stories with the man in black story. And they all sort of had both parallel and yet opposite paths to the same point. Yeah. I actually, now that you say that, there was several moments, particularly we'll talk about later with Teddy, that reflected the Man in Black's kind of, even visually, <laughs> um, kind of set that up. But Teddy takes a different choice than the Man in Black does. Yes. Um, okay. And yeah, I think I think that's a, a thing you learned, in, I think, for art, as far as when you are creating, when you are painting or drawing some sort of imagery, you generally need to wait to, I guess, get the the dimensions right you will always kind of well it's all about perspective that's that's like that the vanishing point is something you learn when you're learning perspective which is why they would do this with multiple characters because you're looking at the different perspectives of these characters as they are going down the same path but they and they may meet at similar points but they started from different places so very i I like that they may use the episode titles in very literal ways on this show yeah i think they do a really good job with, I think, titling these episodes yeah. with interesting and, like you said, very literal and very connected ways to what's going on in the episode. There's only one other main thing that I noticed that I, I felt, obviously, we should point out, which is, uh, is it, you're familiar with Macbeth? Yes. And The Man in Black, there's a very strong Macbeth uh, theme in this episode where he keeps talking about this stain and he keeps looking at his arm. And it's very similar to in Macbeth where he feels like he can't wash the blood off of his hands. Yes. I, I was like, for, for a second, I thought Lady Macbeth was the one that had like, couldn't like wash the stain, but maybe, okay. Uh, I think it is him, like the main character in that. I know it's been, it's been a long time since high school, so I forget what, who couldn't see the stain. But yes, I think that is a, definitely a direct reference to uh, that Shakespeare play. Uh, good, good catch there. Um, so right. this episode opens with the there's some sort of um, gala party celebrating William um, mm-hmm. and his success. Uh, you know what this reminded me a lot of? Not to again compare it to another movie. Um, so the actress who plays Juliet is uh, an actress by name uh, Cella Ward. Yeah. Who I was like, where have I seen her before? And what does this whole episode remind me of? And so she plays Harrison Ford's wife in The Fugitive. And that whole movie has a whole, like, dinner party okay. scene. Because I which... couldn't remember who she was either, and it was driving me nuts. Yeah, so, and then there's also, 
you know, later when Richard Kimball comes home and then the, the man with the one arm yeah. you know, kills her and, she, and he runs up the stairs to his dying wife. And I was like, oh, this is so everything's just like the fugitive. <laughs> Uh, just I now that you mentioned it before, it is Lady Macbeth in the story who can't wash the blood okay. off her hands. But the theme works both ways because yes. it was Macbeth yeah. who's the one who spills the blood, and she was the one yeah, who's yeah. uh sort of prophesizing it, similar to how his wife was saying these things about him forever, but she never knew. It was just a feeling she had. She could see it, but no one else could. And then he made it literal and real. So yeah. it still yeah. thematically works the same way. It's just yeah, it kind yeah. of twisted some things. Yeah, I just know, like, you know, some guy's going to be, oh, wait, you know. You yeah. Didn't get it right. yeah, as you said that, I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I was just thinking thematically speaking that. I was like, yeah. oh, in Macbeth, there's the blood on the hands. and Yeah. Um. So in the in the scene, uh, it's revealed that Juliet is uh, a abuser of alcohol and other probably things we're not really uh, aware of yet. But um, so both William and, and his daughter Emily are just sort of concerned about her in the in the sequence um what did you think about the it was the opening of william's kind of monologue as far as you don't know where it's coming from and then it's repeated later at the end with him sitting over at the bedside yeah i think i think it was obvious that he wasn't actually thinking or saying those things at the time but it was sort of a play over but i wasn't sure if it was uh a memory or a flashback or what was, uh, like if he was if he was saying it in the yeah, Westworld timeline exactly. and like thinking backwards, it's it felt once he started to come to him like okay, this was just a stylistic choice. Yeah. Um. So then William goes to the bar where they have a nice little moment with him and Ford. Okay, so this is the only part of the episode where I felt we we keep getting hit with these bad like one liners in this season. <laughs> like I feel like the writing and the story and the acting has pretty much in general been even better than the first season but this was to me the worst like this was another moment of where we had like a lot of the cheesy lines charlotte had previously ford's like by himself like oh just one last game william i was like "Mm." yeah it was a little i think on the nose yeah it's something that i think could have worked maybe in the past or even if he had said it to william himself but the way they set that up felt a little cheesy. Yeah. I did like William's line, though, about, um, you know, why, like, Oz is missing its wizard. Oh, that was a great line. No, that was a yeah. very good line, which sort of tells you, like, oh, right, Ford probably never leaves Westworld. Yeah. He's probably always in his yeah. office, always, you know. Now, when he handed him his profile, I didn't even actually, like, think about the fact that that was information on it i thought it was like a key card sort of a thing yeah to the door or something because i guess where this takes place very much like you would say days if not a week or so before the pilot episode kind of kicks right. in um so yeah i mean it makes sense that like this would set him off on this sort of journey in the to find the maze in, in the first season mm-hmm. um i did think it was i had a couple theories as far as like well what's on that and I knew that the the technology of this world, they have these little things on cards and they place them on tablets and it opens up files and stuff. I thought it was going to be one of those little uh, miniature tablet things that he could like... Maybe fold s- open. Yeah, he was going to be able to see something that Ford was trying to show him. Um, and, I, and I almost thought it was going to be like, oh, evidence of like, I, I know what you've been doing in the valley type of thing. Um, but it does seem like we get confirmation in this moment that Ford is kind of aware what William and Dallas is doing. And their agreement was, 
you do you let us do us and you know no questions you know but it seems forward has been uh digging a little deep in the in what uh the other people in the park have been uh doing going on so um it is revealed that after the party when they take juliet home because she gets a little drunk again um it's revealed that emily is going to have juliet involuntary committed involuntarily committed mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it was interesting i didn't expect to see william and emily have such a close relationship they didn't seem to hate one another here uh, yeah right and it uh, seemed yeah, like for they as were much as they set close. up yeah so as much as they set up like how much they hate each other in the other timeline they seem to be kind of very much on the same page. Yeah, it almost stuff. She really feels like she is his daughter. She seems kind of cold, very calculated, very matter of fact, which explains to me why she would succeed so well in Westworld. Yeah, they do. I think the, the casting of this character, I think, is really interesting because oh. she reminds me a lot of like an Annie Oakley kind of yeah. tough kind of girl. I also think like, the actress has done an incredible job. She. I mean, we're going to get to it, but I'm very upset about this episode because she very quickly became one of my favorite characters in the series. Yes. Um, so in the uh, Westworld timeline, uh, before we actually do that, any other any other thoughts about this whole dinner party and or uh, coming home and uh, getting No, committed? I, I mean, obviously just parallels to Logan, you know, addiction problems. There was the, yeah, the moment. And, and the... Juliet saying about how, like, you destroyed my brother and my father right. and now me. And then there was the moment at the dinner party where William gets shit from some guy because he wasn't born rich and he sort of created this for himself. Yeah, you know, there's a great quote in there where it's they're they're talking about uh, is it Plutarch? Uh, <laughs> I think they're quoting from, but yeah. we'll get to that quote. Yeah, um, and how and how Juliet was both came from money, but also was very well, you know, right. first in academics and which I think it continues to show the hubris of all the rich people and all the staff and all the management and all the boards and why like they continue to underestimate the hosts because all these rich people are so used to control. I think that the majority of them are so dumb because they don't learn. They just, they have these legacies now where we're at some point in history where these like oligarchs in, in many ways have just perpetuated their legacy through their money. And now they're so stupid that they're like destroying themselves. Or their or their children right. can't get out from under their shadows right. and it exactly. destroys their legacy. Um, yeah, and then also uh, William slips the little info card into a book, um, which I thought was a interesting. Di- so did he? Did you think that he was doing that on purpose, or he's like, I'm going to like she's never going to find this? Yeah, this is what I didn't understand. Why the fuck didn't he just put it in his pocket? Yeah, it's almost like he's like, I want you to find out at some point here. Maybe he didn't think that she'd find out right away. <laughs> yeah but it it kind of felt like he's like i'm gonna leave this here as a clue to like who i am because only you it seemed to know that yeah it was a a strange choice i think for him but it, um, it does continue to follow that theme of these people feeling like they're untouchable yeah um it was really kind of fucked up like up until this episode this whole season has almost been redeeming for the man in black in many ways and I, it's really made me grow to care about him. And then this episode is the one that turned us back and said, oh, no, remember when we all hated him and thought he was a bad guy? He actually is sort of like a real piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of was under the assumption that as we were watching him in season one and season two, there was a reason why he was being like, you know, this kind of character and that there was something going on behind the scenes as, a, as opposed to him just being purely like a bad guy. 
And even and so that's why I was like a little bit almost underwhelmed sometimes in this episode because I thought what he kept hinting at was going to be something else much bigger in some ways. But then when they finally get to the reveal here, what's on the card, it's just like, oh, it's all his stuff from the park. But that and is I'm a like, big deal. Yeah, it is. But I'm saying like as we've been watching it for so long, by the time we get here now, it's like I'm like, I'm like well, yeah, like of course he did all that stuff. <laughs> It's interesting, though, to me, because it makes the man in black only be, you know, the version of the man in black that's in the park, although that's a part of him, it's sort of, in many ways, the only thing that defines that character. Yeah, but then, like, is the moments in the season when he saves Lawrence and his family, is that also him? I mean, if it is, it probably doesn't matter. Remember, you know, Ford said, like, one good deed isn't going to undo all the things you've done. Yeah. It's like his cornerstone is set. Yeah, and I think that does that show kind of maybe Ford's mindset that, you know, you are who you leap, like what you lay behind, mm-hmm. and you can't really change who you are, even though you can do good things and try to cover it up. Yeah. Or, I mean, I felt like in that moment, William wasn't doing it out of, I need to do this out of some sort of semblance of unlock something in the game or try to be a good guy now. Was like, I think he just generally felt like this is what was right. So Yeah, that's likely. Um, in the Westworld timeline, Emily basically patches up William with a first aid kit, um, and flashes for, uh, some QA guys to pick him up. Yeah. Which we learned that there's recon points. There's points where you can, there's a rally point where you can get med kits and things like that. Yeah. Which we, we, we just seen that before when William, uh, punches that hole in the bar and pulls out the, uh. Yeah. I feel like he had kit. hit that, hid that there himself, but that could be a rally point. I'm sure it's like a, a, a hidden thing yeah like a, you know uh in this moment um emily basically asks william kind of like what were you guys like i know you guys were doing something more uh he kind of dives into this whole theory that we were talking about about the immortality project um what did you think about the idea that they were capturing data through hats uh, i mean the sec like right before it was revealed i figured it out yeah. it was like right before it was revealed i go oh my god it's the hats well it makes but what it, it what makes sense it's brilliant wear a hat I mean, I think that the people are wearing their hats because of the sun. They don't have sunglasses out there. Okay. They don't, you know, they don't. They don't let people bring in anything but what they're given in Westworld. So you'll notice you've never seen anyone wear sunglasses. That's true. So but that's in, why they have. The what hats. about other parks? I would imagine they have a similar way to control it. Okay. You know, maybe in Samurai World, it's some kind of like sash or something, or it's like a helmet. Yeah, like a a coolie hat. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, but it makes sense okay, because yeah. now yeah. that means that we're getting real versions of them and not just host mimics yeah. like with Bernard. We're getting a real version. Yeah, I thought I kept thinking like there was going to be these hints in this episode. And here at this point, I thought when he kind of pointed to his head, I thought they meant they like actually implant something in you. And that's what I was going to like. Oh, this is where I thought they were going. In the episode was that he did it to his wife. And that's why she was like, yeah going crazy or like you know something was going happening with her because he essentially had tested something on her like this well and this then explains how we have the ball version of ford because there's a ball version of everyone yes as we we will assume if if that's what we see here uh anything else within this in this moment i mean this is also where we first like start to think that the man in black is unsure himself if he's real or if he's a host yeah, and then again, that also ties into what I thought the big reveal was going to be, that the secret, the stain that like he's talking about is that he's not really him. Yeah, exactly. Or and he's that, a copy that's like him. she finds that out 
Yeah. But I guess the truth is that she just found out that he's making copies of himself and everyone else. So now we really yeah. know what that conversation with William and Delos was about. Now we know the full extent of it. So what's interesting about that is that means that, you know, there's a real copy of Ford. There's a real copy of Logan. There's a real copy of William. There's, you know, that's where all of those things come from. And the thing I kept thinking about is, you know, James Delos couldn't square his own inhumanity. And it was part of what made him go crazy. And it felt to me like William was starting to almost suffer the same kind of dementia here as he like couldn't he couldn't resolve Emily's humanity. He had to see everyone else as a host. And once he started to like prescribe the idea that she could be real, he he just kept fighting it and it sort of drove him mad. Yeah. And I I think in some ways you can attribute that to him being able to survive in the park. You have to see everyone as a host. Yeah. Exactly. And or or for if it's revealed that. Yeah. Uh, or for it or something. There's something that he has to fight through. Yeah. He's going to like go and up to a tree. He's like, are you for it? Yeah. It's like in like Ned. He can't trust Ned anymore. Nope. His horse. So because Ned is, you know, Ford, basically. Um, so uh, some other things happen in this episode that don't involve William. Yeah. Um, Dolores and Teddy, they run into the ghost nation. Um, we connect to episode one in this moment. Yeah, another version of phase space, which is we've seen multiple perspectives from different timelines on this season, and now they're finally starting to converge as the timelines converge on a single point as well. Because this yeah. was when we saw the member of the Ghost Nation at the beginning of the season who was dead. They pulled out his brain. It was the first time we saw the brain uh, cupcakes, little capsules. And yeah. it was that line from Dolores as his last moment where you know she says to him that not everyone belongs in the Valley Beyond. Yeah, no, not everyone else can make it. And... Um, and the Ghost Nation likewise says that to her, right? Like, exactly. You, you don't belong. You you aren't. You're not allowed. Basically, they don't the want door, those to people to die. They they sh- they're worried she's going to destroy it. They yeah. they believe that it's almost like the afterlife in many yeah, ways. Yeah, she's going to destroy it. Right. Um. Yeah, I thought that like this was a I think a cool moment with the Mohawk Ghost Nation guy, um, kind of squaring off. There's a big kind of battle. Uh. I just, I just love this, like, continuing thing of, like, uh, Delos executives, like, tied up to things and being, like, <laughs> you know, moved around. Um, yeah. I just want the, like, if in, in uh, season three, I just want them to be, like, randomly, like, in places. I would assume they're all dead yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I would assume so, too. But it's really funny if, like, there's, like, these sort of um, dressed up people, dirty as shit, like, are being, like, <laughs> pushed around. Yeah. And, like, but they're kind of generic. There's, like, no... You know, you don't really ever see the same executives. No, isn't it been that same woman and guy? I think so. I mean, but like they never give you a good shot of them, so it's like you're like, yeah, it's it the could guy be who's like background. sort of like a little bitch, and then he he goes and he kills. Uh, I think it's like Hector in the first season. I oh yeah yeah they pop up yeah so maybe it is them those guys yeah, yeah. like and his wife yeah. <laughs> um. So in this moment, something we didn't expect is that the Mohawk ghost nation guy is getting away and teddy does not kill him yep so i was like oh what's gonna happen here this is the turning point turning point because we know he ends up dead we just didn't know how so this is the turning point yeah and do you think it's related also to the fact that dolores um killed her technician i do i also think though it's just related to the fact that teddy also hates wyatt and that this is you know teddy gets to make the choice if he wants to be good or be bad and Teddy doesn't want to be bad. And she's taking that away from him. 
guy. Teddy wants to be a good guy. He is a good guy. His cornerstone is loving Dolores, and, and he doesn't want to be bound to her anymore, but he can't kill her. Yes, um, and we'll get to that moment in a second. Uh, we're introduced to Clementine, the Angel of Death, uh, which she is the Boba Fett of this show. <laughs> well, actually, so what's so interesting to me about Clementine is she is also mirroring Maeve in many ways. Maeve has been given the ability to awaken herself and continue to come back and like make herself more powerful uh, through just knowledge and then through technological means. Yeah. And as Maeve kept teaching Clementine, it's still going on now beyond her own, you know, autonomy. It's well, she keeps still becoming... happening now. Clementine is still now replacing Maeve in many ways. Yeah, but she's being used as a tool. She doesn't have. Yeah, she is being used Maeve by has. others. She keeps getting revived and reprogrammed right. and re- like repurposed for things. Um, and so that's why she kind of has this ghostly banshee like visual yeah, she's the style. most tragic character in many ways yeah and the reason why i call her the boba fett of the show is that she does so much with so little dialogue yes <laughs> um and that she also that's why to me she is one of the coolest characters because i think just and i gotta hand it to you know the actress that she is given not a lot as far in terms of script but is able to convey a lot of i think really cool and really interesting things going on with her character um then Speaking of not great dialogue, the technician guy, that, that guy that's working for Charlotte, the moment he kind of walks into May's office or May's room and is all like, hmm, as soon as I'm done, you're going offline. Ha ha. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's not like he doesn't need, really need to talk in this moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> like no one else is around. Like, why are you like pontificating to <laughs> this person? Um. I feel like he's going to get gored by a buffalo. Uh, this guy's fucked. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see, like, Hector and them, we haven't seen where any of them are. They're definitely on their way in to come and save Maeve. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, Bernard, with Ford in his mind, is able to stop by where Maeve is kept, and Ford is to wirelessly uh, airdrop himself into Maeve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was the best scene of the movie or the show, the episode at least, as far as um, it was pretty good. I I thought it was a really emotional episode. I think I just love Anthony Hopkins. This is one of the rare moments we get to see him be a little bit emotional. Yeah, this did happen though after the scene happened with the man in black and Emily. Yeah, I just want to get to this really quick, just because it's all part okay. of the same thing. It's just like it's sort of important that it happened after the other scene. But... Okay, do you want to? Should we jump? No, 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 no. It's fine. Okay. We'll talk about it and then. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of revealed hear that you know ford really loved mave and that's why he programmed her to want to leave yeah so we learned for sure 100 percent. although we pretty much knew this that she made the choice to stay yes and but i guess we never knew why there was a there was a story function for her to leave we don't know the reason behind that was it for he wanted her he he looks at her like his own daughter I think he looks at her the way Bernard looked at Dolores. Correct. I was just I was just saying like in episode one, it was like, oh, was there a bigger like conspiracy behind why she was programmed in her you know sort of story to leave? And it, yeah. it, it we learn here that it is not based out of any type of like ulterior motive, but more about out of love. Yeah, it was all her. And then what's so great about this is Ford stayed behind with her. He sent a piece of himself so that he could try and save his daughter after Maeve 
stay behind to save her daughter. Yeah. So it's like a piece of Ford must have made it into her because that is probably where part of her motivation comes from because he clearly has the same the same sort of affection for her that she has for her daughter. Yeah. And I think he he sees that in her storyline that she came back for this to do this and it it I think and then he begins unlocking something within her. Well, and so what's so interesting about this is the whole thing with Maeve is Maeve made the decision to stay behind to try to save her daughter and find her, even knowing that she was never really her daughter and she's not really real and she's not really awake. Whereas with the man in black, it's the complete opposite situation. He's not even willing to question whether she's real. He assumes she has to be fake. He won't accept that reality. It's the And he, he goes out of his way to stop her existence. Yeah. So... To you, this is the biggest moment. I think this is also, I think the most shocking moment to me is this moment here when the QA guys come to rescue them. Yeah. So the QA guys come in to rescue William. Uh, Emily had set off the flare. Did you think that and... his little scanner thing was going to come off as? No. No, I thought I thought the scan was going to say human. I still don't know how much I trust it because. Because Bernard was able to use the scanner as well. Right, exactly. And we don't know how accurate those scans are for these non-standard hosts, you know? Yeah, he could be this new generation of hosts. Exactly. Like, he's from a secret project. He's not from the standard Delos lab. So it's hard to say. Um, Like, for those things could be programmed in so that those devices just don't recognize certain people that way. In this moment, I can't tell if it was just maybe a production thing. Or mm-hmm. a story choice, but when Ford shoots the other, I mean, uh, when uh, William shoots the other QA guys, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't shoot them in the head. He seems to just shoot everyone in the chest. Sure, um, it's like it kind of like I, I've seen this a lot in the last few episodes. People getting not shot in the head, and when people really want to die, they get shot in the head. <laughs> so it's like, are all these people hosts, or could they be revived some weird way? Right, it's. You know, or is it just because it's easier to put squibs on the chest of somebody and not have to? Deal yeah, with I them? think it. I think it's probably just easier to put squibs on the chest of somebody. It's also easier target to hit. Yeah, as opposed, but you think given you know uh, Williams, you know accuracy with a pistol and guns and other things like that, I would assume right. he's a good shot. So, anyways, um, so and then the shocking moment in this episode is this moment here where Emily is like completely shocked that he killed those guys. They were human. William can't get over that she it could be Ford's making, and he doesn't believe her at all. No, he, he, it's not even. He doesn't even be, give it a moment. Be, you know, yes, because he like, doesn't. We believe don't even how see the she, scan. Yeah, we. He could have waited for the scan. He didn't allow the scan to complete on her, so we never even saw what her scan said. Nope. Uh, didn't it, didn't see what her scan said, though she did know quite a bit of information. As far as the backstory, yeah, um, I thought the little, the tie-in with the music box—that's where Juliet placed the the sort of ID card or the right data card. Um, to which that's what I assume Emily—that's where she found it—was in that in that box. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you think so? I guess the big question is: Do you think Emily was a host or was she real? No, I think she was real, but I hope I'm wrong. I would love for her to have been a host. 
there are a lot of people talking about there are uh, indiscrepancies between her story about the music box, but I felt like that was just leading for the man in black to try and get him to admit something. Yeah. Um, I think she's I would love real. for her to, to be a host because I want her to come back. She is such a great character. So here's my, my theory. Um, actually, let's go. We'll get to the big question later um, yeah. at the, near the end here. But uh, after she, uh, she's killed, um, we cut back to Bernard who finds Elsie. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where when he starts talking to Elsie about the big plan, about like what everything was doing, she's like, well, what's going on? And he starts telling her about James Delos and how what they were going to do, what they were doing with him, they were doing with every guest in the park um, or they planned to do. Um, which I, 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 this was all my theories coming true. So it wasn't as shocking to me because I was like, oh, I believe this was the thing happening the whole time. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so essentially where the Valley Beyond is a thing called the Forge, not the Cradle. It's the you know, Cradle's for the hosts. And then the Forge is for, for the guests and everybody else in between. Yeah. Um, then, but yeah, I, I, I listening to this, I was like, oh, yes, I think this is kind of where I thought we're, we were going with what the valley beyond is it is an arc of some sorts yeah it's a library it's a new cradle new cradle but for the data for real people has been well and hosts it looks like possibly it could have both yeah i think in some ways that's what the ghost nation is kind of believing in that they can somehow put themselves into Mm -hmm. the forge and join it it is a you know a heaven of sorts or right you know afterlife of, of, of sorts um Ford is still in Bernard. Yes. At this point. Um, he wanted him to kill Elsie, which is crazy. And I is thought it just this was going to happen Ford here. <laughs> doesn't, is it because Ford doesn't trust I think Elsie he assumes any, not... any humans at this point are, are out to, are, are part of the group that is going to destroy this right. new life that he's trying to create and um, help survive. Right. So I think, and Bernard having already hurt Elsie once, cannot or has do so. So when they stop to, I guess, get ammo, um, I thought in this moment, oh, Bernard's going to do it or Ford's going to make him do it, make him kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, he handcuffs himself to the the uh, the wheel of their vehicle and he seems to plug himself and seemingly destroy Ford. Yeah, or he just temporarily disabled him. Some Yeah. Um, he then basically says goodbye to Elsie. And saying, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, like, bring you along with me. It's too dangerous for you. Um, and I have to do it myself. And he abandons her. Uh, what what, would you think about this moment? I thought it was great. I thought it was really strong. I like to see Bernard be allowed to make a choice. And I was happy that Ford didn't override him and kill her. Because it would have honestly had no real dramatic tension to it at that point if it had happened. It just would have been another moment where, it, you know, it, it would have taken away from Bernard, who is one of the best characters on the show. So it was good the way it turned out. Yeah. And it made me excited. I think this uh, this whole episode has made me really, really excited for the next episode in the finale. I feel yeah. like we're going to get a very explosive, very confrontational finale. Um, yeah. Now, is- we didn't really talk about it, but I mean, the man in black, after he kills his daughter, he finds the card in her hand. Yes. But before he finds the card in her hand, he's about to cut her arm open. To see if she's a host. Yeah, to prove that she's a host so that he could, like, sort of let the guilt because maybe that that means that for a split second he thought, like, oh, did I make a mistake? And then he just stops and finds the card instead. Does it, but then it immediately cuts to later when he's on the horse and stuff. So we don't actually don't know if he did it or not. 
I think we're meant to assume anything we don't see, you assume shouldn't have happened. Okay. And it it seemed like she was dead in that situation, so we should assume she is dead. Yeah. Um, in that moment too later, he basically rides on his horse to a point and is going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Decides not to. Right. And then, and then he proceeds to cut open his arm. Yep. To now, see if he's this is just after or right before Teddy kills himself. Correct. Which I which lo- one? I uh, I think just it's after actually, or right. Before. I think it's just before. Okay. So, uh, but it ba- yeah. but it basically it's you know it's it's uh, tying along with this moment. Um, I thought the moment with Teddy here, I thought it was really gorgeous as far as like the scenery. Yeah, I mean, I was already like at this point, I was almost speechless after seeing one of my favorite new characters die in what was basically a completely unredeemable act from the Man in Black. Yeah. So it both made me now hate this character that I was growing to love, and I lost a character that I immediately really liked a lot. So like, I was already kind of like that was pretty brutal. So then to go on to the scene with Teddy and Dolores was just like you know, yeah. it was like a good one-two punch. Yeah, and I think the the I think the the radical route would would have been Teddy killing Dolores. Yeah, but we but know can't. that. Yeah, we know that can't happen. So the only option he could take is to kill himself. Yeah. Now, which you... I think is great because it shows that even when Dolores changes him, at this point he has access to so much memory and choice. Like he really is has become his own person now that. Even just changing him, she can't override him anymore. Yes, and we also learn. I think it's never really stated or shown that he was also one of the original hosts created yes. for the park. Yes, um, with Arnold there, so he probably yep. also does remember Arnold as well. Um, do you think this moment has changed Dolores? Um, yeah, I do. Although I think so. In this moment, again, this parallels the Man in Black because now the Man in Black went to kill himself, chose not to. And the reason why is because in many ways, the man in black has lost the, like the last thing that he had that was real. Whereas Teddy realized the one thing in his life that was real wasn't. So he decided to kill himself, but instead the man in black has decided to finish what he started. So it's interesting how they made separate choices based on the same path there. And now the man in black is going forward with nothing. He has no more connections to reality. He now, the only connection he does have left is this world. So, like, before he was saying to his wife, I don't belong to your world, I belong to this one. He, now he does, because now this is the only thing he has left that is real. And so now that he's lost everything, it's the same sort of situation for Dolores. Dolores is now totally unchained from her past in the same way. Now she is completely the monster she was becoming. Because Teddy was her last... Cornerstone. Yeah, like exactly i'm being good uh yeah actually i was the two big one of the couple big questions was has teddy suicide changed dolores and then also with the death of emily do you think that has changed william's purpose now in that he's going to the forge not to destroy it but to save it because now that is where in theory emily would be the last semblance of emily because she's been in the park a bunch of times so most likely her code has been copied and uh yeah taken so i bet she is somewhere in there a version of her not the version that died but no it could be because she was still wearing that hat yep she continued to wear it so that's my 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 theory now is that he's gonna go from i'm gonna blow it all up to now i need to save this i need to stop other people 
from yeah. destroying it or because now this is all I have left. Well, and he could he could he could be going to like to talk to her. He could also be going to ask for forgiveness. Correct. And also if he's a host too, he's lost all connection to the real world. Right. This is all he has. So. But it would be the uh ultimate path to his own reality. So, correct. Now, do you think and you so you think for sure that William is a host at this point? Oh no, now it's totally up for grabs. I mean, it's something I've said for a while. It's like I do think he's a host, but it doesn't have to go that way. Yeah. Like it could it could go either way for his character for so many reasons, which is this episode proves that thinking because they clearly at least in some aspect wanted us to think that because even he questions it. So if even he is questioning his own reality, it's almost like what's the difference? Right? If you can't tell John, like yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, it's that's the whole theme of the of the show. Yep. It's like, who cares if May's daughter isn't was created to be her daughter? The the connections and the feelings and the emotions behind it are are there. Yes. You know, and it's you, you. What is real? It's you know, real can be organically born and made from nature, but it can also be something you you just create yourself. You know, there's there's no definition real, and maybe the other sort of definition that they tell here is that what's real is irreplaceable in some ways and at this point now if the forge is the last thing for a lot of these people the last version of self that's the last thing of them that's real because it's irreplaceable yes it is i'm really hoping teddy's in there somewhere because i don't want him to be gone from the show yes um do you have any other big thoughts about this episode um no i don't i think it was i think it was really strong though i i i don't i can't remember a moment on the on the series other than when bernard was revealed to be a host and kills teresa i can't remember another more emotionally satisfying moment on the series or emotionally affecting which is why i think it's so great because it no no other episode has made me feel as strong as this yeah no i, I actually agree a lot with with as far as the emotional reveals um i think the sort of scientific or the sci-fi sort of reveal of riddle the sphinx episode i still think is much bigger i, I yeah. like that episode well, the most course, but but um but the, this episode i think is great i think kind of coming off of what the last episode was and also setting up for the fin- finale like as amazing as that world building was it was the character stuff is more important to me so like and this is a character moment like this is like a defining character moment for the series in fact it's a character exit for many and also now that the cradle's gone, it's possible these are real character exits, which is something that we haven't really had too much of yet on this show. So that is a really like big change for this series. I have a big question for you. Yes. Based on now, this episode, going into the finale, mm-hmm. who do you think is in Bernard in the Carl Strand timeline? Is it Bernard? Is it Dolores? Is no, it Maeve? I is think it it's Ford? I think is it's it William Bernard. or somewhere else? I think it's Bernard, but... Is the Carl Strand timeline even real? Is it? Are they in? It's it's, uh, it's also a good question. The Remember, Valley Beyond. I, I, are they in the Forge? They're in some Forge. I I see, think okay. Charlotte's fake. I think she's fake. I think there's a copy of Charlotte running around because it's like one of the only things that I think she's leading them into a honey pot in that timeline. The there's something going. On. Yeah. So but then at the same time, it's like it's weird because it is implied that I think what we're gonna see in the Forge. Like mm-hmm. the cradle, it's going to be shot differently. Yeah, so so that's but that's why I'm thinking the other option is if that timeline is real, I think Charlotte is fake, and it would help explain a lot about her character. 
yeah. and why it seems like a lot of crap has happened, but she seems to be totally cool. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, why is she so much younger than everyone else, and she's somehow an executive? You know, like, yeah. how is she so high up and so powerful? She's just a really motivated and dedicated uh, young up-and-coming executive. Yeah, I feel I feel like she, uh, she She's might definitely not doing, be real. There's a lot going or on Or there might her, be obviously. a copy of her. Yes. I, in addition to already, we discuss her working for possibly an outside group or something yeah. hidden from Dallas itself. Do you want to um, talk briefly about the preview for the next episode? In that, it makes me super excited for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What, 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 did, what did you take away from it as far as the Well, preview? I mean, so we see a number of things. We see Hector... Uh, and and all the the crew that we haven't seen in multiple episodes, we see them in the Mesa. So my guess is they're in there to save Maeve. We also see a shot of Maeve totally clothed again. Yeah, being uh, Christ-like. Yeah, which is weird because Ford like unlocked her core processes. What does that even mean? I think she's able. I think I think she probably recreates herself. Okay. It's like um, basically, is able see, to. Yeah. We see shots of Logan, which is something we've talked about. That there's probably a copy of Logan somewhere. So that's exciting. He's I don't think there'll the be forge. a copy of young William, but maybe there will be, but it'll probably be an older William. Yeah, I guess what's weird is that in regards to Logan, if he's in the Forge, mm-hmm. he was a lot, he was in the park a lot before William even came on board and before they even decided to start doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really know the exact timeline of those events. One, two. Maybe right away. Yeah, Yeah, maybe right away. I think um, Logan was basically, in his mind, he was thinking that Westworld could be used to like a traditional marketer captured guest data for marketing purposes. But then William took over, and but maybe Ford had been uh, collecting that information the whole time, and (laughs) that's how they were learning about replicate that data. Brains. Maybe Um, that's how they were building the host. You were right, though, in a lot of ways with relation to the original movie of Westworld was able to repurpose that. Future world was where they were taking hosts and making them look and act like guests right. and re-putting them out in the world to replace them. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him. It's in this sort of... Right, exactly. Where is it heaven or is people. it hell? Is it the forge? Is it purgatory? You know, and what, what kind of... I would say what James Delos was when they found him, that was literally hell. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm very excited for the next episode. I'm really excited to see Logan. I think uh, Logan was basically... In his mind, he was thinking that Westworld could be used to, like, a traditional marketer, captured guest data for marketing purposes, but then William took over and uh, had other thoughts <laughs> on how to, you know, replicate that data. Um, you were right, though, in a lot of ways with in relation to the original movie of Westworld, in that future world was where they were taking hosts and making them look and act like guests and re-putting them out in the world exactly. to replace them. Yeah, and I'm just excited to have his character back and to see how his character will deal with the revelation of everything that's happened where he is and what kind of reckoning he could bring upon William. You know? Yeah, I'm excited to see him. It's in this sort of, is it heaven or is it hell? Is that exactly. the forge? Is it purgatory? You know, and what, what kind of... I would say what James Delos was when they found him, that was literally hell. <laughs> you Here's know? the real question, though, is how does Dolores see this still as a door? Is there some sort of, because the thing I said from the beginning of the season about the Valley was going to be that it was a way for them to send the host data out of the park. So, like, I, your your theory was obviously that 
it was like a container of the host and the guest, which I agreed with. But I also believe there's something there that allows them to send that out because she is so sure that this lets you leave Westworld. And she has left before. So something tells me that is also true. I think there's something to that. But she also describes it as a weapon to be used. And that she, in this episode too, a little bit, she kind of, bring, when she's talking to the Ghost Nation, says something about like, this is for the humans and I'm going to use it like to my advantage in some way. And so I thought almost it's like if she takes control of it, yeah, she can, it's like use it as a hostage. She could also replace uh, people. Correct. She could replace a lot of powerful people with hosts. Yeah. That she can control. Exactly. So I like how Dolores is kind of turning into the villain I thought Maeve would be. Yeah, I, I called it from the beginning. I said she was going to be the bad guy. She yeah. clearly, I mean, because she has Wyatt in her. Yes. She has Wyatt. Like, Arnold did this to her, which it's going to be interesting to see Bernard come crossroads with her. And I also want to see William cross paths with her. This next episode is going to be fantastic. Dope. And I'm excited to see what Clementine, she's going to be used for, obviously, as like some type of bomb. Right. You know. Um. So next, the finale next week. The title of the episode is The Passenger. Any guesses on what that means? I mean, is it Ford or is it someone who takes or is it someone that's inside Bernard in the Carl Strand timeline? Or like you were implying with Dolores trying to get out, she becomes the passenger to leave. Could be a number of things. I think it is something to do with Bernard and that he or his form and he is the passenger for whoever's inside of him. Yeah, it's possible. Or he's all of them. It's definitely possible. He's like the new Peter Abernathy. Exactly. It also could be Dolores inside of Bernard. You know, so what happened to these people? I killed them all. Yeah. She realizes like she survived whatever she did. Yeah. And they're all dead. Yep. So maybe um, Dolores is inside Bernard in this scene. Who knows? I'm excited. It's going to be great. Um, Christian, where can we find you on the social media? Uh, I'm at Christian underscore Humes. That's everywhere. Yep. And you can find me everywhere at johnny be good in la and even if there is an infinity of worlds you've conquered more than one